Cats for Convicts. Yes, I said it. Cats for Convicts. Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, this is about as close as any episode in the last 12 or 13 years of Right Angle is going to get to being a cute kitten video. Uh, so oh. may, make sure we get that in the headline and on the thumbnail image. <laughs> I saw a little clip, probably 30 seconds long, of one of those sort of TikTok-style videos. It may have been on YouTube or Facebook. I'm not sure which of the profi- uh, of the social media platforms. But it was just this little uh, brief clip saying that at some prison, inmates were allowed to earn the right to keep cats. They could have a cat. And if, you know, as long as they were doing good behavior... And the inmates, it actually found that they, they, they worked harder, they studied harder, they saved up money so that they could buy like cat toys and various other cat-related gear. Um, there are some statistics here, uh, Stephen Green, that I'll share with you here. Um, they did a study, and this I did not realize this. This is me just waking up in a brand new world every day. Uh, back in 2006, long time ago, they did a study of 159 prisons in 36 states, all of which had some sort of prison-based animal program. And here's what they found. 100% of those prisons reported reduced inmate stress levels, 97% increased uh, inmate relationships and trust skills, 93% increased inmate self-control, 89% said the program humanizes and calms the facility, 85% recorded an increased work ethic among the inmates, and 80% reported increased uh, a sense of pride and accomplishment among the inmates. Now, again, this has been going on for some time now, but my guess is that a lot of people are like me, not even aware that it was going on. And Steve Green, I, I, I know that you're a pet owner and lover, um, but I just thought this is the closest thing that I have seen to somebody actually making an effort to make our penal institutions into correctional institutions. What well, are your thoughts? Yeah, I love this. I had no idea anything like this was going on at all. And now I want to just... I, 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 Please send me the link to this. I want to dig deep into this and, and read more about it. Um, but coincidentally, yesterday, Monday, we're taping this on Tuesday, I uh, I wrote a column for PJ Media. It's behind our VIP paywall, unfortunately, although we've got some some overlap with, with membership here, um, that uh, on a study about uh, pets and kids, and there had been an older study uh, years ago, because I knew about this before Melissa and I even had our, our first kid, and he's 17 now. <laughs> how did that happen? Um, that uh, households with two or more pets, the children grew up with uh, fewer respiratory allergies. And there's a new study now that just came out. It was a Japanese study that... Uh, uh, Kids with pets have fewer food allergies as well. And, you know, food allergies have just exploded over the last 20 or 30 years, it seems like. Um, if, if, if boomers and Gen X had had peanut allergies the way millennials and, and Zoomers do, our cafeterias would have been littered with bodies. I mean, we put peanut butter on everything, and, and nobody That's was dying. It's delicious. Yeah. 
I still put peanut butter on. Well, no, I don't. But it's my favorite thing. In I the wish world. I could. I just I'd balloon up if I ate as much peanut butter as I as I would like to. That that said, uh, the article I wrote for PG Media was um, I didn't need a study to tell me that pets are good for kids. I mean, I'm really glad about the the food allergy things. Those are those are nasty and respiratory allergies too. You you just you want to do anything you can to protect your kids from developing those. Um, but if you've ever watched young kids and puppies and or kittens together, there is there is a magic there. Um, an animal with and when I say a young kid, I mean when they're when they're really old enough to 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 appreciate that. I'm talking like three, four, five years old is a real magic time to bring a puppy or a kitten into the house. Um, there's a bond there. This is the uh, this is the first uh, person, for lack of a better word, that a child will learn to love from that isn't a family member. That animal will love and care for that child unconditionally without being a, a human family member, just a, a four-legged family member. And uh, the child will love and care for the animal too. It's, it's uh, and again, unconditionally. <laughs> when I think, my wife warned me once, this is about uh, eight years ago now, seven and a half years ago. She said, sometime in the next 12 months, I might just randomly bring home a puppy. And we already had two dogs. We were planning on getting a third. And sure enough, six months into the 12 months, she shows up with an eight-week-old puppy. We ended up naming him Chewy. And uh, our youngest son at the time was probably about four years old. And the two of them are uh, a boy-dog unit. That's that's what they are. They are just a, a single critter with six legs and two bodies. And uh, it's the same thing. Boy-dog unit number one is our older son and our, and our golden, Ty. And you watch this, and you have never seen ever a child who helped raise a puppy or a kitten into a happy adult animal you've never seen that child grow up to become a serial killer it just it doesn't happen something magical happens in that development process and it's it's good it's good for kids and we've learned uh, that having a pet is good for senior citizens as well uh, particularly uh, somebody who's lost a, a spouse after you know decades of marriage if you are that person or you know somebody who is that person, get them a dog, get them a cat, and those people tend to live longer and healthier uh, after losing a long-term spouse. So to find out that something like this is going on in prisons and it's actually working, Scott, the only thing that surprises me about this story is that somebody in the in various governments was smart enough to do it. Yeah, and apparently in, in a lot of places, um, you know, Bill Whittle, I know uh, you don't take a backseat to anybody when it comes to your uh, devotion to our furry friends. Um, I was tremendously moved to see how you care for your cats um, when I visited you a while back. And uh, what strikes me about this is I, I wanted to know a little bit more. And so I went to this website called alleycat.org. And on this page that they dubbed Alley Cat Allies, they talk about a program to essentially trap stray cats, neuter or spay them, uh, and and then uh, and then put them get them into homes. But as you know, a lot of times when they find stray animals, um, there's no place for them to go, and so they wind up having to. Uh, what's the what's the clinically correct word to say? Euthanize. Euthanize yeah. Uh, yeah. these animals. So. But instead, what they're doing is they are taking some of these cats and 
putting them in prisons. Now, there's all kinds of other stuff that has to happen. I mean, literally, they're being microchipped like they do with a lot of pets mm -hmm. so that they don't get lost. Mm -hmm. They have to go into the prison and check on them every once in a while. There's got to be a medical care facility in the prison to be able to take care of these cats. And I know some people would look at this, Bill, um, especially uh, you know cold-hearted conservatives like yourself, and say, "Well, these dang prisoners don't deserve that kind of uh, you know waste of money, so that they can they can have pets." Um, what are your thoughts on this idea of essentially making prisoners more humane by putting pets into their cells with them? The sentence uh, applied to uh, the prisoner is a term in jail. You, you, you've lost your freedom for, let's just say for the sake of the argument, 10 years. That's 10 years of your limited life gone. That's the sentence. There's no uh, requirement for how you, you don't have, you know, torturing somebody for 10 years in there does not, is not the sentence and so on. So they're giving somebody a pet is not, is not lessening their sentence. They're still in prison for the same amount of time just to get that out of the way. Uh, I grew up with dogs, but to be honest with you, uh, I've had cats for 30 years now, and for 23 of those years, those cats got me through solitary confinement. So that's what my life was before uh, I got married. Um, the, the numbers that you read are shocking numbers, right? I think the lowest you, you read was 80%, right? They were in the high 80s, low 90s, mid 90s. Those are shocking, shocking numbers, and they don't surprise me at all. One of the primary um, qualities of, of violent offenders is their inability to see anyone or anything other than themselves as being real. They are, uh, they are largely unaware of other people's suffering, and, and, and one of the reasons why prisons are so brutal is because they have all developed this emotional uh, uh, cadence where everything is hostile and everything must be fought and you've got to be as tough as you can and, and otherwise you know you're, you're gonna you're, you're weak and you're gonna get hurt but when you have to take care of an animal and you have an animal for companionship it, it changes everything there are innumerable stories of long-term prisoners either in the Hanoi Hilton or or like in a French you know in in the Bastille where, where, where prisoners would have pet cockroaches, you know, pet mice, anything, anything to talk to. In fact, if you're really isolated enough, long enough, you'll talk to a volleyball because it's somebody to talk to. And to this very day, Natasha, I'll be walking through the house, hey, Spike, hey, hey, hey Bean. And she'll say, you talking to me? I oh, know, I'm just talking to the cats because that's all I did for 23 years. Same, That's Bill. who I had to talk to. Same. So, so I had to yeah. talk to, and I answered for them too because I knew what they were thinking. Um, so so this is nothing but good. And and while you were talking about this, Scott, I, I had this thought, you know, obviously, con you know, conservatives are not, conservatives do believe that people make choices and that you need to be responsible for those for those choices. But one of the tropes that's thrown around is, oh, so he became a murderer because nobody gave him a puppy when he was a little boy, you know? How many times have we used it? Oh, you didn't get a puppy, so now you went out and murdered nine people. Maybe, maybe he murdered nine people because he didn't get a puppy. Now, that's not excusing the behavior. He's responsible for that behavior. But, but I, I actually, I think about how different 
people are when someone is dependent on them, even if it's not a human being. And just the companionship and the and the ability to care for something. And, and first time I ever had a cat, I didn't want a cat. And somebody said, just keep it overnight. For, you know, yeah. He had a bunch of he had a litter of cats he had to get rid of. And um, and I said, I'm not taking the cat. He said, Here's some food. Here's a bed. I'm not taking the cat. I don't like cats. I'm not taking the cat. And and I and I put the food down and and, and did the litter box thing. And the cat ate the food. And went to the litter box. And I just said, No, oh, this is awesome. It's really important, Scott, and it's nothing but good. It's good for the animals, you know. It's good. It's good for the uh, for the inmates. It makes them into gentler people. And when they have done paid their debt to society in terms of the time that they've served, and they return to the world, many of them will return to the world because this is the first time in their lives ever that they've received unconditional love from from a creature ever. You know, so some sad. something that didn't tell them that they were idiots or or or, or losers or or thieves or whatever, and it remakes you, it, it 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 rewires you. There's no downside to this at all that I can see, and and as you said, for once it's like, oh, how about that? You know, instead of some billion dollar study or something, and, and you know, adding computer labs or 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 you know or whatever. No, it's just the simple. It's like give give these people something that loves them and they will love them back. And in most cases, for some of these really hardened criminals, this is the first time they've ever had that relationship in their lives, ever. And it's easy for those of us who have been loved to take that for granted. So um, I just think it's uh, wonderful. And regarding the thumbnail, I'm going to find the, the, the cutest picture of a kitten I can possibly find. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to superimpose him behind bars. And, I'm, and the title of this episode is going to be Quime Fighter. Oh, no. <laughs> Fine. And, and I don't doubt it. More, more hits than all of the right angles ever, hit, ever recorded in history That's combined. Right. Well, I know I've said this before over the years when it comes to incarceration, but unless you plan to keep the man in jail for the rest of his life, you'd better prepare him to get out. And the reason why we have such high rates of recidivism in this country uh, goes back to what I heard a state police, um, he was the, I don't know what the, his title is, but he was the head of the state police in a state where I lived. And uh, he said, when we send a man to prison, we don't send him there to become a better man. We send him there to become a better criminal. And this was the That's guy the who is, is sending them there. And then to, to echo what Bill said, I forget who originally said this, but um, there was a, uh, oh, I remember, there was a, a jail warden in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who um, said that we send a man to prison um, as punishment not for punishment, uh, which is exactly what Bill was saying. We don't send him there so that they, we can then make him lead a miserable life. The punishment is losing your freedom and, and going there. So the question then becomes, what are we willing to invest in order to make these people who were aberrant in society into normies like us? <laughs> People who, for the most part, are not going out there every day and breaking laws. But I know, frankly, every single one of us, including you, have been out there breaking laws, and you probably don't even realize which laws you've broken. There's lots of laws out there. So what do we do? It seems to me that a reasonable investment is to provide cats for inmates who are willing to work for them. 
and it helps take stray cats off the streets. It helps to cut down on the, the uh, multiplication of feral cats in our communities. And we have organizations that are willing to be part of this and to get those, those cats into those prisons. Um, in a sense, and you know, it's not facetious to say, we're, we're kind of giving a man a second chance at a childhood. Um, exactly correct. When I was a kid, uh, we had several dogs, and now we lived out in the country, so it's not like your little lap poodles that uh, people have in their apartments these days. Our animals were all outdoors, <laughs> uh, but they uh, they would go for long walks in the woods with us. The cats would, you know, come up to us and and rub up against us whenever they felt like it because they were in charge of their domains. And um, that constantly being surrounded by dogs and cats and later ponies and horses um, has an impact on us. And it teaches you not only the meaning of unconditional love, but also the meaning of work. I mean, because every one of these creatures has to be cleaned up after and fed. Responsibility. In those cases, yeah. So, so you then learn to be a caretaker and somebody who, who to your own sacrifice, uh, looks out for the good of another. Uh, I would hazard a guess that the average cat in a prison cell gets more personal attention from its master, so-called, <laughs> than the average cat in a house or an apartment. Because, Without question. Because the prisoners are there for them. You know, you're not, it's not a situation where the cat is standing on the back of the sofa looking out the window waiting for the owner to get home. Uh, the owner is there. Um, and so good for the cats, good for the inmates, good for the facility, and I would argue good for society as a whole. And it just makes me wonder what other things are happening out there from people who have come up with ideas to say, okay, you screwed up, you wound up here. Now, what can we do to make it so that you have the kind of mental attitude and heart and behavior so that you don't wind up back here again once they let you out of here? I am all for this stuff and more things like it. And I hope that many of you are too. Uh, for Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.